0: grace, mercy, and peace be yours in the certain knowledge that the one path to heaven has been revealed to you, that now through faith in Jesus you walk that path, and finally that God, the Holy Spirit, has provided you everything that you need to sustain you on that path until he calls you to his side in heaven. Amen. Dear fellow Christians, you may need your children or grandchildren to help you with this first question. It'll sound silly, but bear with me. In the story of Aladdin, what was the one thing that the evil Jafar wanted to be retrieved from the cave of wonders? I know, kind of silly, but bear with me. All the kids have the answer already. It was in a storehouse, warehouse, huge complex full of every sort of riches and wonder of gems of every size, color, shape. Jafar wanted one dusty little old oil lamp. Again, sort of silly, but those of you who know the story know why it was such a wise choice the point illustrated here is that the wisest choices in life often appear to be anything but the best things that we could desire are sometimes masked or overshadowed or buried beneath things that seem to have greater value but in reality do not so keep this in mind as you listen to read along with our text for this morning found in the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel beginning there with the 46th verse. And they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd Bartimaeus a blind beggar the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth This is God's Word. In humble awe and thanksgiving, we bow before the God who gave us these words and ask him this prayer, Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord, your word is truth, amen. The account, the story of blind Bartimaeus as it's come to be known is probably familiar to you. long been regarded as two things, as first, further evidence that Jesus was who he said he was, after all he performed a miracle and proved his divine power, and also one of those accounts meant to make us just feel good, sort of a happily ever after story, one of those heartwarming accounts. It is those things, of course. But I wonder if we're missing not only a greater point, but several. So we're going to look this morning a little deeper at this account and see if there's more here than first meets the eye. So first, the setting. This was actually Holy Week. And Jesus was going through Jerusalem. Now there's some logistics here. He was going through and he got to the other side and he came back through. So at some point in this in this walk to Jerusalem, into Jericho and out, and there was also two Jerichos, an old and a new. So at some point outside of one of the city gates, Jesus is walking and two blind men call out to him, one named Bartimaeus. Now our text reveals only Bartimaeus. It focuses on him. We're not sure exactly why. The parallel account in Matthew tells us there were actually two. One was not named. So these two blind beggars call out to Jesus. They're sitting by the gate, which is what the poor and the blind, the lame tended to do so that people coming and going, they could beg. And that's all they had for a social welfare system. They hear Jesus of Nazareth and they call out to him. Now we're not told exactly why but curiously those with Jesus told them to be quiet. Now the most obvious explanation would be that they were embarrassed by this undignified behavior. Bartimaeus will have none of it. He cries out all the the louder, all the more obnoxiously and why not? Bartimaeus socially is at rock bottom. You remember how they regarded physical ailments as, as indicative of how God felt about that person. So here's this guy that all of society believed was the worst sinner of all, and he was obviously destitute, he couldn't work so he's a beggar. So he's at rock bottom socially, he's got no place to go but up. So he shouts out all the more emphatically, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us help us his persistence as you heard was rewarded when those with Jesus came to him and said take heart get up he is calling you now put yourself in his position could you imagine Jesus is calling you. Jesus is telling others and you come here. And so you get a sense of his joy enthusiasm he throws off his cloak, he jumps up, our text says he springs to his feet and he finds his way to Jesus. Finally After a lifetime of darkness, there's literally a light at the end of his tunnel. There's hope. There's hope that this Jesus of Nazareth can finally call him out of that lifetime of darkness into the light. So you're there and you're you're standing expectantly before Jesus. And then you hear him say this to you. What do you want me to do for you? Imagine if you were in his position. Two questions never seem to get asked, though, in connection with this account. The first, why did Jesus stop? The second, why was this miracle recorded? when Jesus obviously healed countless during his three-year ministry, why was this one singled out, recorded, and preserved for all of Christendom to follow? Add to that, the fact that this miracle was performed when it was, now understand that immediately after this, Jesus told his disciples to go prepare for the Passover meal, At that meal, he instituted the Lord's Supper, was later arrested, and then the next day crucified. And no one would blame Jesus if he was a bit too distracted, preoccupied to be distracted by yet another human being calling for him to do what was secondary to his mission. He had to have been focused on his primary mission, as he always was, which as we heard in our scripture reading, to bring man salvation, to pay man's sin debt. So on this, probably the second to the last day, or third to the last day of his life, he hears this, and he stops. He allows himself to be pulled aside. So what caused him to stop? Why? What got Jesus' attention was not the persistent and shameless nature of the cry for help. I have no doubt that they were everywhere clamoring for Jesus on the fringes of every place he went. Help me, heal me. And the request would have been everything common to the human condition. I think it was what Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. See, we might miss the son of David, Jews would not have. Son of David was purely messianic. It was reserved always and only for the promised Messiah who was said to be prophesied to that he would come from the line of David. So, when someone referred to Jesus as the Son of David, it was evidence of faith that this was the promised Messiah. So, you can picture Jesus walking along, and again, the cross was right there in front of him, and he hears all these calls, and then he hears one Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, help me. And he stops. And he says, bring him. Call him. So that's interesting. That may well be why Jesus stopped. But why was this miracle recorded? When so many others obviously were not. And here's something differently, something different in this that you have to look closely at to recognize. Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, he recorded that two blind men also called out to Jesus and also said, Son of David, help us. And Jesus healed them. But what did he say to them after he healed them? Go your way, but tell no one. In fact, Jesus universally said that, except where he didn't need to. The woman at the well of Samaria, up in Samaria, there was no danger that people would come to to know that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah and use that to kill him. Here he's right outside of Jerusalem, but he knows his time has come. And all three synoptic gospels record this miracle, which in itself is unusual. All three record exactly what they said. Jesus, son of David, have mercy and record that Jesus did not forbid them to tell. In fact, just the opposite happened. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is undoubtedly why this is recorded, why this is considered to be special. Jesus had turned that corner, he was no longer hiding who he was, he no longer spoke in parables. Or in guarded language, it was, I am the Messiah. So with Bartimaeus, happily ever after, right? It's a mark of our own love of pleasure, our own material focus, and our own lack of otherworldliness in our daily lives that we fail to see how Bartimaeus could have chosen better. How things didn't necessarily go as good as they could have here. And some object they say, well read the text, how could things have possibly gone any better? After Jesus called him and said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to receive my sight and Jesus healed him, gave him back his sight and again in a day where there was no social welfare network or net under these people he could again see and therefore he could again earn a living and we even heard that this man had been brought to faith in Jesus not only did he say son of David label him as a messiah but Jesus said your faith has saved you so how could this possibly have gone any better How could anyone hope for or expect anything more? Well, stop for a moment and examine Jesus' question of Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus wasn't stupid. He was the most discerning individual human being ever to be born. Everyone knew that Bartimaeus was blind. So when Bartimaeus came to Jesus, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? It's almost as if we regard Jesus' question as ridiculously obvious, silly even. Well, of course he wants you to heal him. And yet Jesus asks the question, why? Why? Why would he do that? In a way, here, Jesus was offering a test as much as an opportunity. This same test had been given before. You remember one of the occasions we just heard about it in a previous Sunday service, Solomon. You remember how he was given that same option and that same, what turned out to be a test? In 1 Kings, we read, The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? You will recall Solomon's response was, Just give me wisdom. That's all I ask for wisdom to rule this great people of yours. He passed the test with flying colors, as God Himself said. This pleased the Lord, we read. And God said, Because you have asked this, and not for, and then he listed a bunch of other options. Earthly wealth, power, a long life for you, death to your enemies, or any of those things. I'm going to give you what you ask for, and I'm going to give you all those other things as well. Now suppose that Solomon had asked for, you know, I'd like to be, I don't know, better looking. I'd like to have a better singing voice to pick out harmonies and be able to sing harmony or something more understandable even but nonetheless not as good Uh, if you would just rid me of my enemies during my time here so that i don't have to live like david did my father constantly at war if you would give me wealth if you would give me let, let me live you and I would hold Solomon in ridicule because scripture would identify the failure wouldn't it it identified Solomon passing that test and it certainly would have indicated that he failed had he asked for any of those things and yet when it comes to Bartimaeus we're somehow blinded to what God in Jesus offered Bartimaeus and what he chose and it's a measure again of our focus on this life, and that's where our Old Testament lesson comes in, talking about the church and how they would God would gather the blind and the lame. Wait, what? I thought when you became a Christian, you could name it from God and you would claim it. The vending machine God, you just deposit your prayer and out comes your request. Isn't that how it is? Whatever happened to Bartimaeus? We don't know. We know that for a time, he was a believer. Jesus said so. Afterwards, he gave glory to God and thanksgiving. That was good. And we even read that, at least for a time, he followed Jesus on the road. In other words, he turned and fell in with the crowd that was swarming around Jesus. Will we join him? In heaven, will he be there? We have no way of knowing, of course. We'll find out on Judgment Day. But for now, we have no reason to believe otherwise. The point here is that not only did Bartimaeus ask for something which benefited the flesh, which was temporary, we have no trouble with that. And then we step back and say, but are we being a bit too hard on this guy? Well, think of Jesus' words throughout his ministry. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. What does that mean? It means, in part, that those who have everything going for them in life don't tend to see a need for a Savior. The, those who are healthy and happy and wealthy, their life is good and they don't see any need for anything different. And in fact, they are good at fooling themselves that everything is okay spiritually because everything is okay physically. And that's why Jesus also said, look around you. Do you see any rich, powerful? It's harder for a rich man to enter heaven than it is, or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven and the disciples were baffled who then can be saved the point is in life when things are going well for us we tend to drift from our God it's the hardships the difficult things the pain the frustration those things don't tend to drive Christians further away from their God but draw them closer in God uses those things To strengthen our faith. Even to call us to faith. You remember the parable of the sower and the seed. The seed was sown. Faith did its work. A believer was created, born, came to spiritual life. And what was it that choked some of the seed? The riches, the cares, the pleasures, the good times on earth. Jesus came to this earth to satisfy our sin debt, to pay for the sins of the world. We've heard that over and over again. We know that was his mission. And yet somehow we still get distracted into assuming good times on earth. Health, wealth, happiness, long life. And then when we're ready, God will take us from this life to be with him in heaven. We know in our minds that that's not how life works, more often than not, in a sin-broken world. But that's still what we come to expect. And so when God holds out to us that offer, ask, and I'll give you, focuses so often on the here and now. The thing that's right in front of us with Bartimaeus, I can't see. That's all I can think about. I can't see and I want to be able to see. What about asking for, or asking Jesus this? I've been brought to faith. I believe that you're my savior, but my life still stretches out in front of me. Please, if you're offering me anything, preserve me in this faith. And in the end, take me to be with you forever in heaven. That's got to be better. That has to be better. Because we don't know what happened to Bartimaeus. Maybe when this thorn in the flesh or this, this handicap, this difficult thing in his life was removed, then his eyes were literally open to all the rest of the options the world had. We don't know. We don't make that judgment. But on judgment day, will it matter? whether he had sight in his life or not. One thing will matter, his relationship to his Savior Jesus. That's why, that's what Jesus came to do. That was his mission, to live a sinless life and then to offer that life as payment to God for the sins of the world. To do for us, in other words, what we could not do for ourselves. It wasn't to make us more comfortable here. Now, along the way, because he was loving and compassionate, he did heal, he did help. And some of those miracles are recorded. Most of them point us to Jesus' mission, Jesus' person and work as here. His refusing to tell Bartimaeus and his companion to tell no one. You remember his message to his disciples, what? you heard whispered in your ear what I told you once in confidence and told you not to tell. The time has come, now tell everyone. Shout it from the rooftops. My plan has come to an end and I'm now going to offer that ultimate sacrifice. So again, you fair-minded people might again still be asking, yes, but are we still, are we too hard on Bartimaeus. Well, this story isn't about Bartimaeus, it's about us. So, if we're too hard on Bartimaeus, let's be harder on ourselves. Because again, Jesus has quite literally offered us the same test, the same promise. Do you remember how he said, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Therefore, the question remains for us. Jesus saying, what do you want me to do for you? We've chosen poorly more often than wisely haven't we? Our prayers are filled with the here and now. We petition God earnestly, passionately for things that cause us pain or sorrow or anxiety. We petition Him for things that will fill our stomachs or fill our worlds with material things. What about strength of faith? longevity of faith, courage to witness, love for others that they may have what we have. What about those things? Same promise, same invitation. What do you want me to do for you? Just ask. Here again in all of this, Jesus is magnified. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Here again we're reminded that there is nothing good in any one of us that would have caused Jesus to say, I'm going to go down there because of those people. He knew not only what we were like, but what we would be like. Still wandering sheep. Still foolish, stupid in our choices still wandering into that little patch of grass that looks so good and in danger constantly of falling over the cliff to get there. Oh, that part of it. But it looks so good. And he continually calls us back. And then we complain. Well, I wanted that. And you said, no, I thought you said you'd give me whatever I wanted. James says, yeah, you don't get it because you ask with selfish ambitions. And we could add from this text. And you add because you're just wrapped up in this world. You ask about things that don't matter that are going to pass away. Sinful, unworthy, self-absorbed, short-sighted sinners. That's who Jesus came to save and that's who he did save. Those people are us. And yet God in his mercy has called us from that and as we began he has revealed to us that one path of life. He has set us on that path and even now has provided everything necessary to preserve us in that faith. Continually throughout our life usually with hard things gently guiding us away from that stupid desire that foolish longing, and all because he loves us, inexplicably loves us. God be praised for sending his son for sinners like us. And God help us to choose better. Amen.